0: Welcome to Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike.
1: And I'm Dan. Thank you for joining us on our continued journey to become better, braver, and happier painters.
0: Before we get into the main part of the episode, we'd like to do a little bit of housekeeping. We'll be taking a break during the month of February. We're coming up on a year anniversary of the show, and we've kind of been going nonstop since. So we need to take kind of a break. We'll still produce episodes and content in January, especially since we'll have our anniversary episode, but we won't be back after the anniversary episode until March 2021. So thank you for being with us all this time, those who are listeners, et cetera. Um, But I need a break.
1: (laughs) So this episode will mostly be an interview with artist and teacher Treverian, but first we would like to share some of what we have on our desk. Mike, what you got going on?
0: So, Dan, I'm finishing up a Christmas present for one of my nieces. Uh, I I didn't quite meet the deadline of Christmas because I ran into some shoulder issues, so I wasn't able to paint for a little bit over a month, actually. Um, I've also got um, a Highlander model from Nocturna that I got from a Kickstarter that I've started prepping and working on, and I need to finish my Sequitur Prime. That was a non-metallic metal test. So that's kind of where I am as far as uh, stuff on my desk. But I do have some fun stuff from Christmas though. Um, I did get a few great things. Like I got the new version of the puppeteer from Mindwork Games. Um, The original piece is just the puppeteer and a puppet. The new one is this whole huge 75 millimeter diorama thing. And it's just gorgeous and a bit overwhelming when I look at it to think about how I would even approach painting it. So, but it was pretty awesome. I also got a Steampunk Sir Lancelot from Demented Games. Now, doing that episode on uh, Steampunk really kind of got me interested in in some of the miniatures. And this Demented Games is is a board game for the game Twisted, I believe it's called. And it's a Steampunk kind of skirmish game. They have one single collector's item miniature right now, which is a resin 54 millimeter Sir Lancelot. Got it for Christmas. The details are gorgeous. Um I'll also show a throw out a little shout out to the company too, because I guess they were a little delayed in mailing it when my wife ordered. So they threw in another miniature.
1: Oh well, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So that was that was totally awesome. Uh I also got the Army Painter Masterclass dry brushes, which I want to try out here shortly. And uh maybe I'll if I can get to it, I'll do a little review uh for it. Um, but that was kind of it uh, but that's okay. Oh, no, I'm sorry, and I lie. I got a mic stand, which is what i am I'm, I'm using right now, and I'm really enjoying actually having a having a desk microphone stand and being able to hook up the windshield, et cetera, to it. So it's really nice. It stops me. my old setup i would if I moved my left hand, I would knock everything over this way, I don't knock anything over when I move. So what uh-huh. about you, Dan?
1: I really didn't get anything hobby wise. For Christmas, Um, I ordered the uh, or I requested a Iwata uh, Highline and um, I got some kind of car airbrush, (laughs) industrial size. So I could paint everybody's models or at least put a base coat on everybody's models in the world fairly quickly. Um, But I don't think I'll be doing many eyes. With them, uh, so so that's <laughs> that's um, that, you know you can only show so many pictures and point them out so many times on websites and give links and yeah so uh, I'm I'm just kind of like giving up on that <laughs> I don't think I'm ever gonna get it so I probably just have to uh, save my own money and uh, and purchase it on my own someday. Um, so you it's, got an it's, it's industrial
0: a, strength airbrush
1: yeah with like like uh, like you know like the one with the metal pint freaking holder thing i'm like what the and a trigger and 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 gun grip and everything i'm like what the crap is this thing
0: um uh, maybe like, yeah, a new career change for you. you're going to start working for mako or something i know i'm gonna <laughs> start like painting cars
1: and stuff I put flames on this. Let me fade it over here. And, <laughs> oh, let me shake my paints up. Boy, this is going to cost a lot of money for Citadel paints. I need 15 gallons.
0: Um, <laughs> so,
1: so, so yeah. So, uh, instead of doing that, I concentrated on um, painting. So, I've been doing an awful lot of painting. I was priming I was priming um, all my space frames black because I want to paint. Well, let's see. I have... <laughs> what do I have black? I have, uh, oh yeah, my Dark Angels, which are um, my 30k ones, so they're all black. And I prime everything black. And, oh yeah, my Legion of Dam. So uh, I went digging around and found some old Legion of Dam, so I wanted to try to bring those back up. And using my Scale 75s, because by the time you guys hear this, I'll have the whole entire uh collection of paints i've been buying like two or three every week or so slowly building up and then um, mike gave me some some green filled up my green green ones and my purple ones so now i only have like one or two left that i have to purchase so i'll be bu- doing that here soon um, so i wanted to do some um some painting with it and i wanted i liked the uh, the red set they had so so i started working with those i'm like hey these are These are blending fairly good. So I was like, oh, I could probably start doing my Legion of Damned again. So uh, I'm going to try to finish up this army here. I got about 40 guys I need to do. So, 40
0: Legion of the Damned?
1: Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I have so so many. (laughs) And I'm out looking for more. So if anybody has any they don't want, I'll... uh, Yeah,
0: I have a a resin one if you want it. I have a, f- a fail cast. I mean, fine cast resin one. <laughs>
1: oh, the fine cast resin ones. Oh, boy actually, he's it.
0: in really good shape. I didn't see many bubbles on him or anything.
1: Well, uh, we'll see. We'll see. And I we'll have see.
0: a couple of metal. I think I have a couple of metal ones. Like I have the sergeant holding the skull, the skull, and a chainsword. And his oh, you have
1: Sergeant Centurius.
0: Is that who that is?
1: Yes, it is. He's uh, he's one of these rare guys. Rare guys.
0: I bet you I have like- three of them.
1: Yeah, I have about three of them.
0: <laughs> How did I know that?
1: <laughs> I got one in the box, one that's almost painted, and one that is painted. That was my first uh, skin, dead skin-toned guy that I painted. Was his? Was him? Was his nice. face? So yeah. So I've been working on that. I actually pu- uh, put my BattleTech stuff away for a little bit, um, just to cleanse the palette. And uh, I was working on my sister's again with the. With the um, ivory ivory armor with, uh, with the bluish and purple uh, cloth, so I've been going back, getting some of that knocked out, <clears throat> and of course working on my 30k guys. I have 30 of them that I'm working on. So spray painting them all black was fairly easy, um, but now I'm doing uh, their weapons. And I was fading. I was doing some um, practicing my glazing. So it's fading from black to like an orange color, but going through red. Um, so it's been it's been fun. It's been a um, what, what what would we call that? A intent? Uh, not intentional. I don't know what we call it. I've been practicing, so I'm gonna have fun with that. So I'll know how to paint red here pretty soon. And uh, intentional
0: practice to, is that what you were going for?
1: Kind of. There's another word for it, not intentional, but another one. And that's all right because. It's late at night, and I haven't drank enough yet. So that's really, let's see, is that it? Um, yeah, those are, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's, the th- those three armies is enough. I mean, pretty much all black on all of them, except for my sisters. Uh, that's an opposite color, but I, I, I just want to, I just want to clean my desk off because I got so much shit. <laughs> and so I have egg cartons that is I store all my guys in egg cartons. And I have probably about 15 of those. Because each egg carton, egg holder can hold one, one figure, and um, that's how I store them all. So when I take them off all the screws, I I do I paint everything in subassemblies and then I put them together. So I know which guys go into which little egg hole, and I put them in places and in areas. So I do my batch painting and everything. So, um, so yes, I I wanted to get rid of some of those because taking off a lot of space, and I reorganized my paint drawer. <laughs> I did that too. Thanks. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot you know, about
0: two things I got too. So remind me at the end when you're done.
1: Okay. Yeah. So uh, anything that I yeah I didn't get anything for Christmas at all. Oh, my bottle got my wife got me a bottle of whiskey, but I don't drink, like legally drink. Uh, and let's see, what else did I get? Stuff, stuff I don't need.
0: I I think <laughs> I think that the whiskey. And the combination of the industrial airbrush, that has got trouble written Maybe all I, over it.
1: <laughs> I could probably, I could use the whiskey to spray with the airbrush and strip everybody's figures. So after I paint the figures and we don't like that color, and it's just too goopy because so much paint has come off on them. (laughs) kind of lost the detail. I can go back over it with the whiskey, and that would hopefully strip them all. And then we can start over again.
0: That's the kind of airbrush you go, what are you, trying to paint or put out a fire? my god. Yeah,
1: that (laughs) That won't work. That's a stupid idea. (laughs) So no, I handed it back to my my mom and said, thanks, but... um... I really don't need this as much as I thought I needed it.
2: <laughs> so,
1: so uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, now that I think about it, I got to work and I didn't get a whole lot for Christmas. So, yeah, I'm just winding up 2020, two thumbs up.
0: <laughs> well, you know, at least you, you did get, I got you some beef jerky. I mean.
1: I did. And you know what? My kids love it. They are very excited about the beef jerky. I can't remember what flavors they like, but they're just like, holy crap, that one is good. And that one is good. And they're resealable packs, too.
0: Nice. Well, that's good.
1: So so actually, yeah, thanks. That's the best Christmas present I got this year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm at least glad I gave you the green paint set, too, because at least I know that's going to be just for you just yes
1: and um i didn't i didn't get a chance to play with the colors too much but uh when i go to my 40k dark angels i'll um because i have let's see i (laughs) i went through and reorganized all my my dark angels that i had so i have a big box of the 30k guys so i have you know i have 30 30 on the sprues so i haven't touched them and then i have the 30 or 40 that i'm no, there's 30 that I'm working on right now. And then I went through and found all the ones from the Dark Vengeance set. Oh, nice. I've got, I have eight squads of those guys. Half of them are painted, half of them are not. So I was like, holy shit, where the hell did I get all these things? I was like, I only bought one. And I think those guys might be painted, so I'm like, "Holy shit! I gotta like cut all these pieces up, and I gotta like reposition them because I can't paint the same freaking."
0: Well, I think you got Dark Vengeance guys from me too, though. I got
1: a couple from you, but uh, literally, I put them. I um, I lined them. I. Lined them all up and you know and and played war with them on the floor <laughs> but then i organized them into which ones which squads were actually fully painted so i got all those guys into one point and i try to match you know what color greens were going together and then i have a bunch of them that were not and i put them in ziploc bags so that i can rebase them all and and do any touch-up paints to them and stuff And i'm just like uh yeah, so honestly I have no idea how I got so many freaking Dark Angel space marines. And then that so that's what I get for like digging through all my boxes. Not even all my boxes, just a couple boxes. And I found like four generation first generation rhinos and will I have a whirlwind that's made out of metal and I got Okay, that's enough of me bitching and moaning. Um so um yeah. Dan didn't get anything for Christmas besides jerky and green paint from my-
0: <laughs> well I forgot to, to to tell you or not I know you know because you got me the Vallejo paint stand for my desk uh and I appreciate that actually it's in use right now I've set all up my paint I set my paints all up to to work on a couple of projects Good, so-
1: I actually I hope it works for you um I really dig mine I really I use mine all the time even though I have um the uh, desk wizard one I have this one off on the side as my my other like a storage plate storage set instead of my my immediate like project one that i use my um desk wizard for um but yeah i i love mine that was the first one that i purchased for myself years ago and i love it man so i hope you get uh hope it gets lots of use and uh, it comes in handy for you
0: yeah it's already got it's already got paints in it so yeah thank you very very much And the other thing I got was uh, I got a box of Palanite enforcer or subjugators from the Necromunda game from Games Workshop. Now I haven't been painting a lot of Games Workshop stuff lately, but um back in the day when I was kind of meddling a little bit in the hobby in college, I kind of fell in love with these arbitrator guys or Adeptus Arbites. Um, they are basically like the underworld police officers and they carried shotguns and stuff like that. So really cool. They even had robot dogs. I probably actually have about 20 of those models. Um, but they're not, they're never coming back. And so the closest thing that they're kind of the new version of them are these palonite enforcers and subjugators, et cetera. And so, um, I got a box of those cause I wanted to paint those up. And so I'll probably start that in February. Um, when we're on break but uh
1: you know i was just thinking about that i was uh earlier today i was thinking about trying to find some old judge dread figures and that just reminded me of when he said that It reminded me of those guys or it reminds me of him kind of sort of well i
0: think manic games makes a judge dread game
1: gw did too a long time ago
0: yeah i remember that they had a they had a that they had a western game at one point too yeah which is kind of funny.
1: Apparently, but, they had a fantasy game too, but.
0: <laughs>
1: that one right, way. So I guess.
0: Ba dum bumch. All right. Well, I guess that uh, with all that behind us, uh, I guess we should introduce our interview. Yes. So, one more thing before we go into our interview for this week's episode. Dan and I would like to wish everybody a happy holidays. We hope you had a wonderful Christmas or a happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. And also, we wish you all a wonderful new year. Hopefully, uh, 2021 will be so much better than 2020. But thank you so much for letting us be a part of your painting journey. Dan and I are pleased to present an interview with Trevarian, an award-winning artist teacher and all-around great guy. He is also our next stop on apparently our Listening to Paint Dry World Tour uh, in Austria. So without further ado, we welcome Treverian into the show.
3: Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks for the invitation. Um, hopefully we can talk about some interesting things. I, I, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know,
0: it's really... Important that the uh, one of the f- main focuses that we have is is sharing artists and letting and letting people hear their journeys and one of the uh, things we try to focus on is how even the most amazing artists have the same kind of common stories that a lot of beginning painters have, and that they were all, all these amazing artists were there at one point too
3: yeah, I mean that's uh, a thing that a lot of people don't really realize it's we are super deep into our journeys and yeah a lot of us do have like decades of of painting experience but that doesn't mean that we were so we we too were super crappy when we started out so right.
0: <laughs> well let, 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 let's start there um can you talk to me a little bit i know you've talked about this in other places and such but can you give our listeners just a little taste of what what started your hobby
3: journey yeah um so it's always A stupid idea to say that, but I think I'm already boring people a lot (laughs) with that story. Um, But, um, I mean, I just happened to see miniatures at a certain point in time. I think I was like 20 or something. I just started university and I had a bit of a relapse with Magic the Gathering. So I was just collecting cards. Um, and I just walked into a store and before that, I never really, I mean, I knew that miniatures existed, but I never was into D&D and I never heard of Warhammer, really. I walked into a store and some guy opened Mage Knight boosters and that was, you know, like a, a card booster. You just got random pre-painted miniatures to to be able to play a game. <laughs> um, that was, yeah, pretty cool quick and easy to get into. But he just happened to open um, the rare variants of it. And they happened to be a cast-in see-through resin. And that was just really interesting to see. And I was just hooked instantly. Yeah, I played that game for a while. And then I realized they're pre-painted. And they actually look crappy. And there must be a way to make them better. And from then on, I just started to paint. I've gone into other miniature games, not games but companies like Warhammer or Games Workshop and and Confrontation and eventually I just focused on painting because I I don't like dice games. So
0: <laughs> um, so I guess my next question with this is kind of so you went from that that started out with the joy of painting. What made you decide to want to teach others how to paint?
3: It's always a hard question to answer because what does how do you get into teaching? Um, I guess because I'm a teacher by trade too. Or I don't know how you say it. Um, so I, I started to be a biology and psychology teacher. So I guess I always just wanted to try and spark um, interest for the things that I'm interested in. guess I was always hoping that because I'm really interested in things, I could maybe spark uh, the same joy and I guess interest in in other people for the things I I do. So uh, yeah, it's the same with biology and science and it's the same with painting. I just really enjoy the things I studied for um, and that I have experience with and I just, yeah, hope that, yeah, to be able to spark that joy in other people, I guess.
0: And see that that's one of the things Dan and I always talk about is uh, every time we run across people uh, that are just amazing teachers, we find out they a lot of times they have a teaching background like you, <laughs> and so they, it actually it, it the way you teach it makes a lot of sense that you. Have a teaching background as well, so because there are a lot of artists that teach classes that don't know really how to be a teacher per se, and so it it, your your skill level shows in how you conduct your videos. And um, Dan used to be a patron of yours, and and talks about he always talks about how valuable your videos are because they're they look like they come from a perspective of
3: a teacher, so it's very impressive. Thank you. Yeah, I mean the thing is it's it's not actually that hard you just have to think about what a student knows and what he cannot know and what he needs to know yeah just put yourself into their shoes um and try to answer the questions that they might have beforehand and yeah just thinking in along those lines
0: If if you don't mind me deviating a little bit from some of the questions, you had mentioned that you have, you know, the the science and biology passion. Has that spilled over into your miniature world, painting world at all?
3: I don't think so. Maybe a little bit. And so, if if you do science, you have to be observative uh, of whatever you do. You cannot just do a recipe and and not react. to things that happen spontaneously, or take the things that happen spontaneously into consideration, uh, because how do you do you find new things? You you just try the old things, and and some things happen, <laughs> accidents happen, happy mistakes happen. Yeah.
0: Right. I, I I see. I have another Bob Ross disciple here on the phone with me. <laughs> yeah,
3: I, I mean, definitely. you just. You just have to drop the memes occasionally because that's what content is about,
2: right?
0: <laughs> um, so, it has was there ever a technique as you were trying to build uh, your painting skills? Was there any technique that you that you felt was particularly harder than others to learn?
3: Yeah, so that's a, a thing that is really difficult to communicate to people, but um, if you can, then try to not think in techniques. <laughs> um, it, it's hard to understand that sentence when you present a new painter with that sentence. But I don't really think in techniques. Um, maybe an example is when I paint what I call, or you know, the, the miniature community calls volumetric highlights, where you take the shape of something and you put your own interpretation in it uh, and how light interacts with that shape. Uh, You don't really think, Okay, if I dry brush this um, with a five-degree angle, is this going to come out right? Or how much dilution do I have to put into my paint mix so that it becomes a glaze or a layer or whatever? You just do whatever the situation needs. So if I want um, a really bright opaque highlight, what am I doing? I'm just putting um, a really saturated, I'm taking a saturated color in an opaque consistency, and I just put it there. And now I have a um, a border between a darker and a, a brighter color. So what do I, am I doing? I'm just trying to blend that together. And how do I do that? Am I just using a glaze? Uh, probably not. Um, I might start with a glaze. So putting a, an opaque layer over a hard edge like that is going to yeah pull it together a bit, but I can do the same thing with just stippling and leaving a bit of texture and and uh, yeah, leaving it to your brain to blend it together. So uh, at that point, you're you cannot distinguish a single techniques um, or single techniques from the whole application of paint um, because you are. You you would just limit yourself if you said, okay, I can only do this kind of brushstroke because I need to do this technique. So I guess we could say it was a bit hard in the beginning to 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 unlearn the techniques or unlearn to think in techniques. That was maybe the hardest technique to learn.
0: <laughs> no, that, that actually is a great way of putting it because I know you have that as a painter who's trying... Uh, to move past mediocrity, like myself, um, I constantly get stuck saying, okay, well, I don't glaze very well, so I need to practice glazing. And then I don't get anything accomplished, really. I'm just, you, you know what I'm saying? Like it, you kind of get stuck, and if you're not doing it right, and instead I get caught in kind of my own head with uh, worried about the execution of a technique instead of really just kind of putting paint on a model and so i i totally see what you're and appreciate what you're saying about un, kind of unlearning it's kind of like a it almost is like a if you watch youtube and such it's how like every video is a different technique focus and so you kind of get focused on those type of that way of learning how to paint so thank you for sharing that's actually a very good point <laughs>
3: Um, yeah, and, and I mean, you mentioned you're trying to practice uh, glazing. I know mean, it was just an example, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with practicing the application of really thin paints to uh, create a smooth gradient. Um, you just need to not stop at this and continue to think or think in the bigger picture that this is, might just come in handy at a point where you need to do exactly this, but you're not limited to this. So you can take this, um, what you practiced here, and apply it in a multiple in multiple ways to, yeah, in other situations. I think that's that's a, the important thing to not stop uh, at just practicing this as a singular technique. So
0: your recent video about your creative process, which I, I have to tell you, I particularly appreciate it because I'm always interested in how uh, painters approach their projects. Um, you talked about um, what your steps are and how you go through it. How important is it for a painter to understand their own process? Um,
2: <clears throat>
3: I don't think it's important at all because for a long time I was, okay, there's two layers to that. Um, I was just doing whatever looked, good and i didn't think about it at all um the only time i thought about it was if i was unhappy um then i i thought about okay what is and i think that is the important part when you're unhappy you should analyze your process and um yeah see what's what's going wrong and and change it around to get the result that you want um, and to get the result that you enjoy and that you're happy with. So, yeah, as long as everything is smooth sailing, I'm not sure if you really need to analyze your process, but whenever you feel like, okay, something's wrong, I don't like that, you need to change something, then it's good to analyze.
0: Also, you you talked about in that process video about having there when you approach a project, you have to decide whether you go kind of more artistic or whether maybe uh Technical would be a, a word to use to describe it. Which do you do you tend to find yourself to be on the more artistic side or the more technical
3: side? Um, I think it's a mix of both. I don't want to sacrifice either too much. Um, I guess you could say I am more um, interested in composing a figure that has. Uh, interesting textures and interesting color interactions um, in a more traditional way. I guess it could be yeah viewed as as a more traditional games workshop, paint shop approach, even though it is a tiny bit beyond edge highlighting. But I still like to have clean elements. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I... That, I will say this. I wouldn't say that
0: you're... Your techniques and are a little bit above GW edge highlighting. I'd mean, you're an absolutely brilliant painter, and I enjoy I, I your your work is constantly. I look at uh, your pictures for inspiration. So that that's being very modest on your point to say it's a little bit above GW's
3: edge highlighting. Um, no, I mean don't get me wrong. It is. I am just that I think there is a lot of other painters that. Um, yeah, just drop the more traditional things in favor of yeah, just trying to push an artistic uh, vision more than I do. I just really like to, um, I just like harmonizing colors and well-rounded colors uh, on a miniature. And I, I'm not that interested in, for example, pushing um, a really hard highlights uh, from the left so all the right area of the miniatures is in the shadow that that's kind of boring to me because um at that point I, I everything that is in the shadow just for me disappears and it makes sense because that's what you want to transport and and show because if something is in a shadow it's disappearing it's taking a back seat in the composition um to me that is just because to me. Painting is a three d medium uh you're going to be able to pick up the miniature and I feel like I want the miniature to look nice and interesting when you turn it and I feel like all these hard edges and oh sorry hard light approaches and backlight approaches and all of that that's really nice on pictures but i i I'm working in a three d medium and I don't want to use something that is, to me, more a 2D technique. If that makes sense at all. That,
0: that makes a total. Uh, you know, it's that, that conversation um, that constantly happens between realism and believability. It's mm-hmm. also. A great That that actually is a great segue in uh, to kind of my next set of questions because I'm going to be a little bit more specific. But um, before I do those, I do want to ask you about how the Mythbusters with you and Vince started. Vince actually has been a guest on the show in the past as well. And I've had been fortunate enough to take some classes from Vince. Um, but how did that get?
3: Can you talk a bit about how that got started? I mean, we Vince and I do resonate on a lot of levels. Um, in our teaching approaches, and uh, I guess to a certain point in our painting approaches. So, um, you know, whenever you see someone online or posting something online, and you're like, Yep, I agree with that. And so, so you kind of gravitate towards each other. Um, it's not like we're best buddies or something like that, because I mean, we do live on different continents. Okay. But I guess whenever we come together, it's a good um chemistry uh, we are usually agreeing with each other (laughs) Um, (laughs) which could be a pro and a con i guess um but yeah we i just i don't actually remember why i just wanted to interview him for the channel i thought maybe because he has a lot of stuff and knowledge to offer and i felt like he was a bit uh, neglected by the youtube audience um, but that has different reasons, too, that we can get into if you want to, but doesn't necessarily answer the question. But um, yeah, I just wanted to see if there was an audience that would be interested in our approach. And my approach to, to editing and to make video making is a bit different than his. Um, so I just yeah wanted to have a conversation. Uh, and pull him maybe into editing his videos more.
0: (laughs) You guys have a great rapport. It's definitely, you you can tell there's mutual respect, and you're honestly, when you ask each other questions and talk to each other, you actually do want to hear what the other person has to say,
3: which just makes it even more interesting, you know? Yeah, and I guess um, we also have a bit of a, a same humor level. It's not that... Slapsticky um, type of humor. It's more the dry humor <laughs> that, yeah, has to. what the listener has to keep listening to not miss anything, I guess that's that's our type of humor. So that is a good thing to to resonate with that. Um, but ultimately, how the myth busting started is at some point in that interview he says. Oh, that's another myth we busted. And whenever you and I come together, that's that's the thing we do. And I mean, <laughs> at that point, it's um, yeah, a given to do that thing more often, I guess. Um, and and th- the idea was that we agreed that there are some misconceptions that prevail. And I don't know. Whenever I say pro science, uh, some people. <laughs> Don't like to hear that for some reason, um, but it it always reminds me of pro science. It's it's just something that prevails since forever, and it's just without actually thinking about whether or not this is a good idea to do something. People have always been doing it, so whenever someone else sees it, they just think, "Oh, the, this guy is pretty experienced," and so I'm going to repeat the same thing, and it's going to be good. So yeah, those, we just tr- tried to maybe shed some light on, on some of these myths um, and see if they're true or not. See,
0: that's a perfect tie-in to the technique. Uh, uh, then the hardest technique is to unlearn the technique type thing. That seems to me to be, w- would fit right in that
3: line of discussion, right? <laughs> I actually have to take a note here and write that down so I don't forget it. OK but that's actually really interesting.
0: Um, my favorite video of yours, of course, is the one where you look at the thumbnail and it's you holding a glass of wine and it's all about contrast. And so I've worked, oh, uh, I've worked with a mentor from a Facebook group called Every Your Metal. Um, they've been amazing, but the number one thing they told me was that I was afraid of contrast and I kind of thought they were full of shit. And I'm like, I'm not afraid of contrast, but it, it turns out they're right. Uh, apparently I was afraid of contrast or probably still am. Um, Do you have any advice for people to kind of break out of that fear? Because I always look at something and go, oh, I went too far. And I show it to my mentor and they're like, you're not even
3: a third of the way there. (laughs) Um, So what I'm hearing from that is, or what I'm guessing I hear from that is that you are in love with your gradients. You like your gradients smoothly.
0: Well, I, I like them smooth. I don't necessarily know if I can... Execute them
3: smooth. <laughs> you would like them to be smooth. Let's yes, put it that way. Because <laughs> I think that's uh, the number one trade off that you have to do is between contrast and, um, yeah, smooth layers. Okay. Because if you have something that is three millimeters wide, um, how do you make sure that everything is smooth? You, you're trying to apply, um, Seventeen layers onto that, Um, but five layers in, you are already at the end. There's no not much more space left. Does that make sense? So, yeah,
0: it 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 does, and that's I think that's where I struggle with. It's hard to explain, but I think it's, and I know, and this is a big thing, and I I don't I don't mean the cross artists in this because this is about you but this is one of the big things that um the banshee also talks about because he always blows up pictures of people's miniatures and says there's no smoothness here you know but when you hold it at your arm's length it looks beautifully blended and smooth and i just can't I, i don't know how to break out of that mentality that when i'm up on the miniature looking at it it's not smooth so then i get frustrated um and then i you know of course in three millimeter area you're trying to put 17 layers and it's you're you're absolutely right it's it's stupid to do that because it's just not going to work because there's no room but so it's interesting to me that i just don't know how to break out of that and i don't know if other like if our listeners have some of those issues as well um i I think they do I, i know dan does as well we we fight about this all the time
3: but um so Mm-hmm. Yeah, what you said makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just that there's two expectations clashing that you cannot uh, you cannot realize in in miniature painting. There, there's no physical way to do so um, with the limitations of the the, the colors that we have. Um, it's acrylic paint usually. You're you're a little less limited with. Uh, oil paints, because you can also uh, yeah, blend on very tiny spaces. But uh, you cannot do that with layering acrylic colors over each other. There's just no way. Um, There's physical limitations to, to doing that. So we have to do a thing where we are tricking our brains or the brains of the people that look at our miniatures into thinking, OK, there is a gradient because they want to see a gradient and I, I see it all the time and, and I also get a bit of hate for that when I say it, but um I just really love the example um, of David Cowell, Caldwell. I don't know how to spell his name. I always oh, love, love his artwork too. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely amazing because he also has the, um, the creativity, no, the, He's able to picture um, in his brain the different angles from where light comes. And, and he's just able to execute it perfectly. And, and all, people always say, wow, this is so smooth. How do you get it so smooth? And, and I don't think he would disagree. He does not paint smooth. He just paints a lot of pixels next mm-hmm. to each other. And your brain creates the illusion of smoothness so he does that perfectly right um absolutely yeah he's just the perfect example for that and yeah i just hope people or i wish people would drop um the notion that i'm dissing him or whatever he's just a really good example for that where people say wow that's so smooth and in reality what he does is he's just really meticulously putting pixel next to pixel and and he lets your brain create this movement.
0: Well, I think I I think it's such an important conversation. I don't think you can have this conversation of miniature painting enough actually that everything we do is smoke and mirrors, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're it's it's an illusion. Um and I think I, I kind of just had a mental aha moment and I think I know why I'm kind of stuck on that. Uh Wanting it to be smooth up to my face is because maybe I perceive like when I, I, I paint for a competition, I perceive judges getting up in close there, you know, like getting up really close on the miniature and looking at it and being like, ah, oh, you know, this part here on this part of the face isn't smooth this close. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that may be my mentality uh, about or misconception about the p- way people judge contests leads to that you know what i mean and maybe that winds up dominating my painting (laughs)
3: um if i can expand on that just quickly of course that that's a very uh golden demon way of thinking Mm -hmm. Um, where their definition of a good paint job is something that has a consistent quality across uh yeah all the miniature and. A lot of the time, that means you're painting smooth blends. Um, and they, they, they are not interested in, in artistic value, I guess, because you cannot measure it. But when we're talking about smoothness, you can always find an error and say, OK, this paint job is not as good as that one, um, simply because the technique is not executed perfectly. And, and I guess it's hard to judge which, which one just speaks to you more, which one. Has the wow factor because of the way that the colors are composed, or light and shadow interplays, or how a warm, cold contrast is added onto it, and so on. And that—that that is something that Benji does. That is pure artistic expression. It's, I would say, express expressionism in miniature form. Right. Right. Um, and. Yeah, where the other one is just trying to quantify which one is better. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the two that's the two ends of how to judge miniatures.
0: <laughs> right. No, I, absolutely. And, and it's you know what's funny is I've never competed in a Golden Demon. I've only competed in things like the Capital Palette at the Nova Open, um, mm-hmm. for example, which is has a tendency to be more on the artistic side than it does on the technical side. So it's kind of a a, a weird conundrum for me. Um, now, when we first started talking this afternoon, um, we had started talking a little bit about kind of the balancing painting, YouTube, social media, and all that stuff and, and how that works. I'm really kind of curious as to how, as somebody who's, trying to balance doing a podcast and painting and doing the social media etc i'm kind of curious as to how you handle it and if you have any thoughts on what's more
3: important than the other thing etc yeah so right now uh, i'm not in a good spot with everything um it's i'm at a point in my life i guess where uh, my heart tells me to just drop everything and, and just do the miniature Stuff, um, but I'm also 39, and um, I guess I have the voice of reason telling me to just continue to be a teacher because I'm also good at that, um, and it's a a solid income, um, steady income, and if you follow that route, you're you're good. <laughs> um, <laughs> But at the other hand, it's and it. I just hit 500 patrons yesterday, and I didn't even notice. Congratulations, uh, thanks. And it's it's absolutely unbelievable because I did not think about. I did not think it possible even like maybe five months ago. Not speaking about two years ago. Um, I think I was at 40 <laughs> two years ago. Um, But I also did not have a teacher job. So it was more like, "Mm, well, damn, (laughs) I cannot do what I studied to, yeah, what I studied. I cannot teach uh, at a school because there's no open spots. There's just too many teachers in Austria. So I might as well do that other thing because (laughs) I can't do anything else anyway. Um, And then it just Exploded and it's at a point where I could make can make a solid living off of it, but do a drop everything else. <laughs> so right now I do both. I just I teach for two two days, uh, full days. It's like start at eight and stop at um, seven p.m. ish. Today I got off earlier because of COVID and how um. Distance learning works, but usually I would still be at school. Um, So those days I cannot do anything. I just go, come home and go to bed. (laughs) So those are days where I cannot do any content. And then I have to prepare those two days, which is just half of another day lost. So I do (laughs) both the, the YouTube content and the Patreon content in like two and a half days. That usually means like, uh six to eight videos a month in just i cannot do the math um that's okay <laughs> four to maybe 16
0: days okay. well Wait. it sounds to me actually the equation might be coffee plus all this work equals no no little sleep <laughs> yeah
3: so i don't know i definitely know it's not sustainable mm-hmm. um well, I also don't know what to do. I feel, yeah, yeah, it, it's, uh,
0: but I, I will say the the content hasn't suffered because the quality of your work has been fantastic. Actually, your videos they are even getting better and better, which is also impressive too. So, well,
3: whatever you're doing, you're doing well. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so one thing that has suffered is maybe the amount of PDFs I was able to do. I, I really like to do just written guides too, and I cannot properly do these anymore. Right?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's a tough one though, too, because that's uh, uh, you know, I I don't know. Yeah, the balance just sounds so like between doing video content, then you have YouTube content, then you have PDFs, and then you teach. How do you sleep,
3: man? <laughs> I do sleep enough. Um, I just, I just, for some reason, because back in the days, I always. Used to stay up till three, four in the morning and just work. During that, yeah, during nighttime a lot. Um, I just found out that just getting up at five. I, there was a time when I just got up at four. Um, then it was five. Now I'm, I can't do it anymore because I, re, I, I, I just need to sleep. Um, so it's it's weird when I do videos, I can get up at four in the morning and work to 6 p.m. Maybe that's when my girlfriend comes home and then we just spend the the afternoon. Uh, and then I go to bed at like 10, 11 p.m. And then I get up again after like six hours of sleep and that's fine. But when I'm at school, um, a work day of eight hours, it almost makes you want to take the other day off because you're so wasted. Uh, but yeah just video making is not stressful at all to me even if I have deadlines um it's more like a hobby um and yeah and teaching is just because there's so many interactions and it's not just about um teaching it's also about um could you please sit down could you please shut up and listen and Why did you not do that? And I need to contact your parents. And so that's really (laughs) tedious work that you don't have to do when you teach painting. (laughs) Right. No, that's very true. There's nobody, no no letters home about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You didn't do your 200 layers. You only painted 190. I have to contact (laughs) your parents. Right. (laughs) And Johnny's
0: going to have to stay after school today. Yeah. Um, for sure that's
3: it stop eating the paint please (laughs)
0: right right i actually was just thinking about the brush lookers of the world right (laughs) you know that that would put a new dynamic into that into that conversation for sure um i do want to know that um one one thing i we we kind of hinted on a little bit and you you'd mentioned david cowell well are there any other artists out there that really that you find inspiration in um that that are artists that you kind of are your go-to artists
3: um yeah i always hate that question because it's um boy i'm on a roll here (laughs) (laughs) good questions here (laughs) no it's it's mainly because i don't have a memory for that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, that was a cool artwork. I'll just store in my brain the idea that is behind it and not so much who did it. Um, And that's maybe not giving people enough credit, but that's just how my brain works. (laughs) Um, Sure. But I mean, in the past, um, and it's a French name and I'm going to butcher it. Uh, it's Alan Carrasco. Uh, does he ring a bell, though no? Actually, it does.
0: I'm trying to place it, but... Um... Yeah, that's
3: the early 2000s to maybe 2010. Then he just... He didn't paint anymore. He just sculpted. I mean, when I say just, it's... He's absolutely amazing sculptor too, right? But mm-hmm. um, just the... I guess just the, the French... Um, style from the early 2000s was really influential so there's a a, a couple of names there
0: well you you mentioned sculpting now, that that's another we haven't even touched on that as far as what you've done um and I've watched uh the the Joker and I've seen the Tracer that you did which is j- just mind blowing um what when when did you make the decision that you wanted to start to sculpt how did you get into sculpting if you don't mind sharing that with our listeners
3: um to me it was a, a bit of a natural progression uh you first you start painting other people's miniatures um and you try to do the best with what is there and then you feel like okay that pose is a bit off and if i just balanced it this way and just changed how this arm is Yeah, where this arm is pointing, where you want to do a more dramatic pose. Uh, And so you you cut up these uh, metal minis, because back then, they were still metal, right? (laughs) to do um, the best you can with repositioning that arm, keeping as much intact as possible, because you would have to sculpt stuff otherwise. But yeah, eventually, I just realized, okay, if I just sculpt the whole arm from scratch, then who cares about repositioning? Um, right. Yeah. So, and then eventually I just said, okay, I I, I kind of don't like any of the styles that are around at the moment. So I might as well just do my own miniatures and, and do uh, or, or sculpt the miniatures, sculpt exactly the miniatures that I want to paint. <laughs> um, yeah. And then that was just the progression from doing tiny things um purity seals and stuff like that, just add-ons, repositioning, and then eventually doing full figures. Um and then there was another progression, I guess, where I didn't see any need to sculpt feet on all of my or you know, legs and feet on all of my miniatures because I can do character study with just showing the upper body and most of all the face and yeah, um, so I went from, from figure sculpting into just bust sculpting because I feel like it was a a more artistic medium in that miniature realm. Okay. And I, I have to admit, I, I originally,
0: when I first started seeing, um, I think the first ones I saw were like by Ouroboros Miniatures where they had the CP New Skin thing where it was just kind of from the thighs up. Uh, but and I was kind of like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Then I see things like the Joker and that you did. And I'm like, okay, actually, I, I, I actually like those. Who cares about feet anyways? You know, mm-hmm. those are, <laughs> those are awesome awesome. People that care about feet, let me tell you that much. There are, <laughs> but you can't mention feet, you can't show feet on Twitter or Twitch, right? That's why. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's why I quit streaming on Twitch. Right <laughs> I remember the conversation with Sam Lenz. I was sending him a model to paint, and he's like, Oh, it's got, a, it, it's got a breast and it's shown bare feet, so I can't paint it." I'm like, "Wait, the first one I understood. The second one I don't get.") <laughs> That's OK. Um, so let's talk, let's talk about all the different uh, mediums you are on, because I want to make sure our listeners know where, where they can find you. So you have uh, Facebook. Instagram and Twitter are all Trevarian, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, and the the Patreon, uh, they have same. different levels that they can, it's the same name and there's different levels that they can oh. uh, sign up for, correct?
3: Yeah. So awesome. I mean, the, the $1 and $2 pledges are like, okay, um, you like the, the free video content and you just want to throw me a, one or two bucks and that also gives you access to the discord it's a patron only discord and the other two um, pledges are just pdf and video pledges and then there's the feedback pledges so those are
0: a bit more expensive was that and you said feedback pledges is that Mm -hmm. what you said okay fantastic and i think dan did uh a couple of video sessions with you at one point
2: yeah
3: yeah uh, i don't usually know the names i just go by the um the, the screen names and what they use on, on Discord. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I'm going
0: to, I can't lie. His, he's got like six different names, so I wouldn't even know which one to tell you, <laughs> but, um, he he's a man of mystery for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, down the road, where do you see yourself kind of going with the channel? Is there anything that you, um, want to get into that you
3: haven't done yet? Yeah, I'm not sure. So, I mean, the one thing that is, here is that I'm going to do the videos as long as I can um, and that means as long as I physically can um, and I don't know if some if, if people want to see a 60 year old man on YouTube so that's the only thing that worries me. Um, but then again, there's channels like I don't know, let's stop that. let's not, not go there um, <laughs> but so I'm, I'm always going to do videos. Uh, the only thing that I have to figure out within the next year is whether or not I, I want to go all in. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's always going to, to be as much content as I can can do <laughs> without losing too much sleep. So I am I just want to go down that route and, and see where it goes. Uh,
0: yeah. So one, one of the fun questions I like to ask... Uh uh artist is if there is a miniature that hasn't been made yet that you would like to see made. And I, I always uh use the example of I'm a huge Stephen King fan and I would love to see the characters from the Dark Tower series come to life in miniature form uh and paint those. Is there anything like out out there like that that you would be interested in seeing?
3: Um yeah so I, I got to admit, nothing really comes to mind that is pop culture. Um, and I think that's a bit of a miniature problem as a whole because it's it's really hard to sell figures that are not borderline uh, IP infringement and, and copies of, of popular stuff. Um, so any original content kind of gets lost by the wayside. Um, even though they're really cool concepts and sculpts. But um yeah, I just really would like to to continue my own uh line of miniatures, which is a bit of a a grittier version of uh of future. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um like a war torn and and how do you say ecological uh wasteland type
0: of thing. Okay. Sure like a post you 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 have a a, a thing for the kind of post apocalyptic kind of dark future yep like now do you do you see yourself liking something like a a, a cyberpunk type post apocalyptic or more just kind of a I, I these are extreme contrasts but like kind of a cyberpunk versus a walking
3: dead type situation yeah interesting question um so with nico galaxy for example there is it's not limited to, the, to them, but I cannot think of any other manufacturer that does it. But there's a couple of them out right now that do the more cyberpunk stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they I do love it... their stuff. They have some great busts. It's just incredible. Yeah, they do it rather well. So I think that niche is covered. I, I kind of would like to do my own thing. I guess that is kind of cyberpunky, but. Um, yeah, influenced by, by different uh, cultures. So I, I want to do like high uh, technology mm, pitched against, you know, purely robot designs uh, pitched against more tribal stuff and all of them kind of influencing each other. So that that's <laughs> what I would like to do. That's
0: very cool. That's actually a great idea. I, I, I'm going to wish you luck on that because I would like to see and,
3: and purchase those miniatures. So, <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, you have a
0: supporter here for sure.
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I'll just try to, to pour whatever um, tiny amount of time I have left at the end of the day into a couple of figure concepts and then just gradually make them and then mm-hmm. eventually do a Kickstarter or something like that. That would be the ideal approach to to that
0: well now that now that you're part of the listening to pain tribe family uh will keep us informed for sure because we'll definitely make announcements for you and put it out on all our social media anytime you even if you have any kind of regular announcements just say hey i've got some new videos that i want people to check out We'll we'll uh definitely uh push for you for
3: sure okay um so but- that's that's six mm-hmm. new videos each month that you're going to have to announce. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we only come out twice
3: a month, so it's a little bit easier. <laughs> um, well, 12 videos then in one episode, so that's good too.
0: There you go. <laughs> so um, the motto of our podcast is better, braver, and happier. Do you have any advice that you could give to our listeners uh, to keep them on that
3: journey? Um, yeah. So... Thinking about that, I would like to scratch better because, like we mentioned earlier, it, it conveys the idea that you can put two miniatures next to each other and then you can quantify which one is better. Um, and I mean, I guess you could do that if, if you just put the miniature by someone who just started painting uh, next to the miniature of someone who's been painting like 20 years. Obviously, you're going to see a difference. But um, the other two resonate better with me, because I think ultimately, um, what makes people unhappy, and we touched on that earlier, is if they don't like something themselves. So they should try to, yeah, be brave and, and just try to find their own way. And, and if they are unhappy with something, obviously it means you have to change something. so but you also have to brave be brave to change that thing and go down a different route that is maybe not known terrain. So uh, it's the, the great unknown. But uh, if you are brave enough to go that route, ultimately, you're also going to be happier and just completely forget about better or not. The only thing I guess I would let count is that you're trying to be better than you were yesterday. But don't don't really compare yourself to others. It doesn't make sense because they might be looking for something completely different than you are looking for, uh, and copying them and trying to achieve the same thing might not make you happy. Perfect, that, my yeah. take on that.
0: <laughs> no, that's perfect. That that that's perfect, and that's one of the things we always stress is that you know everybody's p- painting journey is a personal journey. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't. It's great to look for inspiration,
3: but not for comparison. You know, <laughs> for sure. yeah. yeah, to get new ideas and, and you might find an idea that you like, but you might just slightly want to tweak that. And there you go, you're on your own path again, but it's something you wouldn't have thought of if you didn't have if you didn't look at that other person's work. Yeah.
0: Right. That's fantastic. Yeah. And anyway, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to be here. and again, it's been an honor to have a conversation with you about painting little toys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Dan and I would like to thank Travarian for joining us and sharing his painting journey. You can follow him on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, paint and putty and YouTube by searching for Travarian. You can also learn from him on Patreon. Please. We do encourage you. Dan has been a part of this Patreon and loved it. So please check it out. Support the artist. You can also check the show notes for all of the links.
1: You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Listening to Paint Dry or on Twitter at Dry Painting. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Listening to Paint Dry or on Twitter at Dry Painting. We also have a YouTube channel, which is apparently called Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a look. I don't know what you're going to see. <laughs> so- <laughs> Please like, subscribe, or follow us wherever you get your podcast, which now includes Amazon, which I think we did a couple months ago. If you could leave us a good review, that would be really, really cool and help out the show to get us to three listeners.
0: Three. I, I think we might actually be at four. But anyway, you can also drop us an email at listeningtopaintry at gmail.com. Yeah, four listeners. I know we're outrageous.
2: Sweet.
0: <laughs> so just worry about what you can control to become a better braver, happier painter. Until next time. See ya. Listening to Paint Drive with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Downloaded from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share-alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.